and uh, we'll be uh, in uh, Revelations 11 tonight. We'll just be covering seven verses tonight. I think we'll get through that fine. And uh, it's a long chapter. And uh, we'll basically just be, uh, like I said, normally on this particular Wednesday night, I, I do a study every year. I've done it for years on uh, how that Christ was crucified on Wednesday. And, uh, and I thought about it this year. Uh, we won't get to it, but this chapter here is actually a resurrection chapter because these two witnesses are beheaded. Uh, and then they're, they rise up from the dead after three days. What about that? And, uh, but we know if the Lord hadn't rose from the dead, they wouldn't nobody rise from the dead. And, uh, we know the Bible said that uh, at His crucifixion, after His crucifixion, that many arose uh, from the graves and went into the city. Uh, but we know in further study, we know that nobody rose from the dead till Christ rose from the dead. Amen. Because Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, which is a resurrection chapter, and it said, Christ the first fruits. Amen. And uh, so we know Lazarus rose from the dead. The uh, widow's son at Nain rose from the dead. Um, I think it's three in the New Testament. Lazarus rose from the dead. Uh, but all them died and went back to the grave. But Jesus is the only one that rose from the dead that didn't go back to the grave. So he's the first fruits uh, of the uh, resurrection. Amen. Resurrection is not something that's going to happen. It's something that's already started in you when you got saved. Amen. Uh, over in the book of Ephesians, I uh, can't remember exactly the verse, but over in the book of Ephesians, well, the Bible says in Ephesians, uh, uh, I think it's chapter 2, uh, the Bible said that we were dead in trespasses and sin. And uh, it said, He hath quickened us who were dead in trespasses and sin. And then you drop down to verse 6, and it said, he hath, Not he's going to, but he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Resurrection is not something that's going to happen out there. It's something that's already happening here. But that's just the first part of the process. And uh, we have been spiritually resurrected, but one day uh, we'll be physically resurrected. Uh, but that process has already begun. So you have resurrection right life in you right now if you've been saved. Amen. Amen. All right, Revelations 11 tonight. And uh, let me read the uh, seven verses tonight that we're going to be looking at. The Bible said, And there was given unto me a reed like a rod, like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city, shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. They have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast 
that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and shall kill them. Brother Bill, would you pray for us tonight? Amen. Thank you, Brother Bill. All right. Uh, as we enter into this chapter here, uh, we uh, will deal with at least three things uh, in this chapter, more than that, but at least three things. We will deal with the temple being rebuilt. The temple being rebuilt. We will deal with two witnesses that God is going to send Rebuilt temple and two witnesses that God is going to send. And then thirdly, we will deal with the takeover of the temple by the Antichrist. In uh, verse 1 that we read, he said, There were given unto me a reed like unto a rod. The angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. As stated, there must be a rebuilt temple because there is none now. Uh, there is none now, so uh, many scriptures that let us know that that temple is going to be rebuilt. Amen. And it's probably part of the peace treaty that the Antichrist will sign that Daniel talks about. That will probably be included in it, that he will allow them to build that temple. And uh, the only problem now is, uh, is that where that temple needs to be built uh, is where the Dome of the Rock is. Uh, the Muslim deal. Uh, I read a thing, I think last year somewhere I read a thing that said there's actually uh, enough uh, room and everything to build that temple uh, even though that's there, there's still enough room to build it. So I don't know what's going to take place there, but I think God uh, used Donald Trump to set up the, uh, the road to begin heading toward that way with uh, moving the embassy to Jerusalem and, and all the things that he did. And uh, so uh, there's going to be a rebuilt temple. There's actually five temples built of stone and wood. And I say that because there's other temples besides temples of stone and wood. The Bible said your body that sits there tonight is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God don't no longer dwell in temples made by, by hand. He dwells in saved people. Uh, Jesus said destroy this temple. Three days I'll raise it up. Uh, he was talking about his body, so there's, a, there's two physical temples that the Bible mentions. The first temple in the Bible is Solomon's temple, and uh, you could find that. We won't turn to it, but you could find that in First Kings 5 and 8, and it was the grandest of all of the temples, uh, Solomon's temple, and you can read about it, and, and uh, my, what a place of beauty that was, and, uh, and that lets you know that uh, that heaven is going to be a beautiful place. Amen. Uh, amen. 
nothing built down here could ever compare with what God has built or building up there. And then the second temple is Zebrabella's temple in Haggai 1 and 2. And Ezra chapter 3, verses 4 through verse 13. We have Ezra's temple after Solomon's temple was destroyed. They had a rebuilt temple, uh, which is Zebrabella's temple. That's what the book of Haggai is all about. You read it. And uh, its glory, the people wept when they got it done. The old people wept. The reason they wept, they wept because uh, they remembered how Solomon's temple was and this temple was in no ways even in comparison with it. And the old people wept, the Bible said. Probably like if we could bring somebody, D.L. Moody or somebody uh, back from the 1800s, Billy Sunday, and they come into one of our churches, they'd probably weep uh, because of the difference between what it was back then and what it is now. Uh, So the old people wept. The Bible said the young people rejoiced, but the old people wept. And the reason young people rejoiced is because they never did know how it was back there. Uh, so they thought what they was having was good, but they never had known what happened back there. And uh, a lot of times uh, our young people, many of them, uh, I don't think it's true here because we've had some jubilee services and regular church services where the, it got out of the bank and God moved in. And, uh, and we always have prayed that our young people would know what it is to be in a true Holy Ghost service. Because uh, if you ever get in one, you'll never forget it. And I'll tell you something else. If you ever get in one, you'll be addicted. You say, what do you mean? You'll be searching for that rest of your life again. Because uh, it's something that you like. So we got Solomon's temple, Zebrabella's temple. And then we move over to the New Testament. And we have Herod's temple. That's in John 2, and uh, verse 19 through 20. And uh, that was Herod's temple where uh, Jesus uh, was on trial. And then uh, number four, we have this future temple that we're reading about tonight. It's going to be rebuilt uh, at some point in time. And uh, that's the future temple. But then uh, later on, even after that future temple, we have what the Bible calls a millennial temple. And uh, this is what the book of Ezekiel is all about. If you read Ezekiel 40 through Ezekiel 48, you ever wondered what all that was about and waters to swim in, wading out and waters deeper and waters coming out and under the uh, the place there, the threshold. Uh, all that has to do with the millennial temple that will be built uh, after, uh, after the Battle of Armageddon. During the thousand year reign, there will be a millennial temple uh, where that they will be worshipped. The fact that God or this angel, if you will, uh, we notice that the angel, if you will, is not in the court without. Uh, it's showing us this because that court without belongs to who? The Correct. Belongs to the Gentiles. And the angel doesn't go out there, but the angel measures uh, in the inner temple, which belongs to the Jews. And he measures the altar uh, and the worship and comes up short. I wonder if the Lord measured our worship tonight or Sunday morning or Sunday night. I wonder if we'd come up short. Uh, We probably would, wouldn't we? But by the fact that it's measuring that inner court instead of the outer court, that's letting us know that God's dealing with the Jews and not the Gentiles. Uh, God's dealing with the Jews and not the Gentiles. 
Uh, verse 2 said, But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, as we just said, for it's given to the Gentiles. It's already, of course, given to them. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now, we've not worried at all about the chronological timing of the chapters as we went through Revelations this time. We've just not been concerned about it because we know everything in there is going to happen in a space of less than seven years. But in this particular chapter, uh, we do know where we're at in the chronological order of things. We know from this verse that we are in the last three and a half years of the tribulation. We know that what happens here uh, happens in the middle of the tribulation. Now here, here he says that it's given unto them uh, to tread it underfoot forty and two months. How long is that? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Now that that time frame is given uh, in uh, different phrases in different parts of the Bible. It's also spoken of in Daniel as a time and times and half times, uh, which means the exact same thing as 40 and two months. During, uh, during this time, the Gentiles under the Antichrist will take control of the temple. They'll take control of that. Let's, let's cross-reference that real quick. Go to Daniel 9. Daniel 9 and verse 27. Daniel 9 and verse 27. Daniel writes, And he shall confirm the covenant. This is Antichrist. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's seven years. And in the midst of the week, uh, three years, three and a half years, he shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease and the overspreading of the abomination. Uh, he shall make it desolate. Desolate. Remember that word desolate. Now go to Matthew 24. Let's run the cross-references on this. Matthew 24 and verse 15. Uh, the Bible said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of... That's the same word, see. And then it goes on. If we, if we wondered about it, it goes on to say, Spoken by Daniel the prophet. So we know it's the same thing that Daniel was talking about. And it's called the abomination of desolation. And the reason it's called that, we go on over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. And he's talking about the Antichrist. And verse 4, he said, Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself <clears throat> that he is God. And uh, so right in the middle of that seven weeks, the Jews are just going to be tickled to death. they got their temple back. They're making their sacrifices. And, and uh, they're just tickled to death. <clears throat> yeah, peace. But right in the middle of that, <clears throat> they're going to go into that temple one day and the Antichrist is going to have an image of himself sitting in there. And uh, not only there, probably all over the world in places of worship some way or another. And he's going to say, all right, he said, Jehovah's not God, I'm God. He said, you bow down and you worship me and you declare that I'm God. Well, that's a, 
that's an abomination. And so that's the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And that's why Jesus said whenever this happens, He's speaking to the Jews. Verse 16 of Matthew 24. He said, whenever that happens, then let him which be in Jerusalem flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take my things out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. He says that because it's very hard for a woman a full-term pregnancy to run. Uh, it's almost impossible. So he said, pray that you're not with child. And, uh, and then he said, pray that your flight be not in the winter. And that could be a literal flight, a literal airplane flight. Uh, because they're, uh, we know they're going to Petra, a place that God's prepared for them. And uh, we do know that, uh, I'm told, unless it's changed, that all flights in Israel are grounded on the Sabbath. So he said, pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath. Uh, pray that it not be on the Sabbath. So uh, you got all this uh, going on, and at that point the Antichrist takes control of the temple. Verse 3 said, I'll give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Again, uh, this is the last half of the tribulation at this time. God will have two very special witnesses. Uh, there is no doubt a connection between these two witnesses and the 144,000 that was sealed in chapter 7. Uh, there's a connection there. They may have got sealed and saved under the preaching of these two witnesses. Uh, I'm not sure, but there is definitely a correction there. Now, let me stop right here and just insert this. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but from Revelations 1 all the way to Revelations 22, which we've not got to yet, there is no mention of believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No mention. Can't find that anywhere. There's something else odd there. From the book of Revelations 1 all the way to the end of Revelations, <clears throat> there's no mention of anybody being baptized. Now, a church that teaches baptismal regeneration, this is a nightmare for them. In other words, they believe you've got to be baptized to be saved. Well, we know back in chapter 7, we know that there was 144,000 sealed, but after that we know there was a great multitude which no man could number in chapter 11. And we don't have to guess about where they come from because the Bible says they come out of great tribulation. Verse 11. But there's no mention of anybody being baptized anywhere in the book of the Revelations. <clears throat> so things have changed. We're not under. We're not in the church age anymore. Uh, we're not. Uh, we're kind of back under law. We're not under uh, the uh, New Testament uh, thing of grace. Uh, so uh, I don't know anybody that really can be dogmatically and say they know what's going on. We all got guesses about it. Uh, but there is something uh, different going on here. Uh, so <clears throat> the only other way to get around that, if you believed in baptismal regeneration, 
The only way you could get around that was you'd have to teach everything in the book of Revelations that's already happened. And that's what they teach. They teach that everything in the book of Revelations has already happened and they connect it with different parts of history back through the years. There's one verse that stands like a mountain over it that they can't get around. And that's Matthew 24. And Jesus said, It's such a time as never has been before. Amen. That one verse knocks all that in the head. Because Jesus said, Whatever's happening in Revelations, it's so bad that there never has been a time like it before. Amen. Now, uh, I've, never, I've only ever heard, you may know others, but I've only ever heard of three people that they named that they thought who these two witnesses were. Uh, only three. Uh, one Elijah, one Moses, and one Enoch. Dake's study Bible, which I love because it has good history notes, and it has a lot of notes in it that are not right uh, about losing your salvation, things like that. It's a Pentecostal study Bible. Uh, but I like it. Eddie gave me one the other day. A lady would give him, and and I really thank him for it because it's large print. Most Dake's Bibles have got so much stuff in there that you can barely read the print. It's so small. But uh, Dake's Bible, Mr. Dake and his Bible, he believes that uh, Enoch is one uh, of these uh, witnesses. And everybody that believes that Enoch is one of these witnesses, they base their whole theory on one verse in the Bible. Hebrews 9 and 27. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Bill, do you want to say something? Okay. All right. Right. Uh, so they say that there's only one man in the Bible that never has died, and that's Enoch. You say, well, what about Elijah? Well, we know Elijah's going to die. He's coming back. They're going to cut his head off. He's going to die in this, in this chapter. He's going to die when he gets done with his work, which is pretty much true of all of us. When we get our work done, we're going to die. The Bible said we spend our days like a hireling. God's hired us to do something. Raise family, raise grandkids, be a witness for the Lord, preach, teach, pray, support a church. There's millions of things that we could do. But when we get our work done, we're going to die if Jesus doesn't come. We're, we're banking on Jesus coming. That's uh, what we hope. But... They say it has to be Enoch because the Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. And the problem they have is that they make that a blanket statement for all humanity. They say everybody that's born has got to die. But they overlook the fact that in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul is uh, preaching there to the people about the resurrection. They're all messed up on it. And he says in verse 51, Behold, behold I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. 
So that means that there's somebody somewhere that may not die. They also overlook John 11. In John 11, when Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, and Martha and Mary's upset because like you and I have been, He got there too late. Uh, they thought He'd be there sooner. They expect Him to bail out and save the day. And He did, but He done it in a different way. Verse 25, uh, well, verse 24, Martha, Jesus said unto her in verse 23, Martha, thy brother, rise again. Verse 24, Martha said unto Him, I know that He'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If he stopped there, we might have a problem. But look at verse 26. Whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. He's talking about those people that are living when Jesus comes. 1 Thessalonians 4. They... I'm sure they know it, but they failed to add it into the equation in verse 13 of chapter 4. Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven, and with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them. Uh, no death. Uh, no death to those living when Jesus comes. Genesis 5 and Genesis 5 and verse 24. Uh, the Bible says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And they might argue the fact and say, Well, he's just dead, and we, God took him. We might argue the fact, had it not been for Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, pretty plain. The Bible said, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Both of these witnesses die. And if you make one of them Enoch, you destroy the only type of the rapture in the Bible. Enoch is the only person in the Bible that never did die and never will die. And if you make Enoch one of those witnesses, you've destroyed that and you have no type of the rapture in the Old Testament. Because there's nobody in the Old Testament that doesn't die. Either in the Old Testament or New Testament. So, okay, before going on, let us note two things here about these people. Let us note their preaching. The Bible said, uh, uh, and I'll give power unto my two witnesses. God gives them that power. Anybody that's got any power at all, God's got to give it to them. Psalm 62 and verse 11, the Bible said that once have I heard this, yea, twice, power belongs to God. God gives it to who He wants to. If you win somebody to the Lord, God's got to give you power to do that. 
If you preach a spiritual sermon and God blesses it, God's got to give you power to do that. Amen. If you sing a spiritual song with a touch of God on it, God's got to give you power to do that. Uh, all power for us to do anything has to come from God. So the Bible says that, uh, that I give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy. So we have their preaching here. They're prophesying. What do you think they're saying? I know what they're saying. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. John the Baptist said, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're saying the same thing John was saying. The king's coming. You better get right. You better get ready to meet him when he comes. He's coming. Repent. Which we know that uh, there ain't a lot of that goes on. We've seen where men have sores and sickness and everything else and they still don't repent. We've all seen that. We've all seen people we try to witness to and they go through cancer and heart attacks and car wrecks and wives leaving them and children dying and everything and they still won't repent. That's the way it was. Thank God some do. But uh, So when we get this far, uh, look at Proverbs 29 too. And notice their clothing there. Uh, go to Proverbs 29 too. But uh, notice their clothing there. The Bible said that they were in uh, was sackcloth. Yeah, sackcloth, the Bible says. All right, look in uh, Proverbs 29 and verse 2. Brother Grady shared this verse with us when he was here. I don't know if you remember or not. Proverbs 29. In verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When we had a president that was stopping abortion, when we had a president that was for God and he was uh, doing away with laws against preachers and against churches, we were all rejoicing. Praise God. Thank God. But now all of us are mourning. We're all sad. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. But when the wicked bear through, the people mourn. When they're, when they're reinstating abortion laws, when they're putting pressure on churches to shut down and preachers of what they can say, preaching the Bible, people mourn. How you know we got a wicked person in the office by what he's doing? I heard an astounding statement the other day that shocked me. I guess I should have known it, but I didn't. But I was driving down the road and King King's radio was on. I don't know what the program of the speaker was, but he made this statement. He said, since 1972, I think I'm right on this. He said, since 1972, there's been 62 either million or billion babies aborted Billion in America. Billion. Man, I almost had to pull over on the side of the road. I thought, how can the Lord bless us at all? How is it that this place ain't already blowed to smithereens? The babies that, as Brother Brian pointed out, 
to me when we were talking about this that they would have been voting age. Things might have been different. They killed their vote in a bad way. Amen. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. In uh, Proverbs 28, you're already there, verse 12. The Bible said, When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. So you got wicked people in authority in China, Russia. You know where the Christians are tonight? They're not where we are. They're in a basement somewhere, in the woods somewhere. They're hidden. They're hidden. And if something don't happen, it's coming our way. I just don't know how long it'll be before it gets here. Uh, and you know what's going on in the tribulation? These Jews are hiding. They're running. They're in caves. They're in dens. They're hiding. And uh, God's got a few people, uh, Gentile people, that help them out. They hide them, give them place to stay, give them food. Just like in the Old Testament, when Elijah went to meet Ahab, who's the type of the Antichrist in the New Testament. And Obadiah, was, he was there working for Ahab. But Obadiah was a good guy. He was an undercover guy. And you remember what he told Elijah? He said, I've hit 150 of the prophets over here in the cave, and Ahab don't even know about it, and I'm feeding giving them water. Well, that's what's going to happen during the uh, tribulation. And because of that, that's why you got Matthew 25 that you often w wondered what it meant. Jesus said, I was in prison and you came to see me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. That's, what, uh, that's, that's those people during tribulation time that are helping the Jews out. And at the end of that, at the end of that uh, tribulation, you have a judgment of nations. And that's not, to, that's not to see who saved or lost. We already know that. That's to see who helped the Jews and who didn't during that tribulation time. That's why it's called a judgment of nations. So at least for me, uh, now no guessing about who these are. Uh, we know for sure who one of them is. We no guessing at all about him. Uh, look in the last book of the Old Testament, uh, Malachi, and and look at the uh, the uh, last. Uh, Next to the last verse in the book of Malachi. No, no guessing about that. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. That's that 144,000. Somehow they're going to be connected with them. And uh, look at uh, John's gospel. Uh, John's Gospel and people that try to make all this has already happened, they say, well, he came in the person of John the Baptist, did he? Look in, uh, look in chapter 1 and verse 21. Or maybe it's 2 and verse 21. Is it 121? Okay. I get over in John, I'll find it. I'm over here in First John. 
John 1 and 21, uh, they come out to John there. And, uh, and John said, uh, uh, verse 19 said, This is a record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites unto Jerusalem to ask him who thou art. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then art thou, Elias? Elijah? They were looking for him. They said, Are you Elijah? We know he's coming. What did he say? I am not. He came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, but he was not Elijah. So we know, uh, we know that uh, that's going to be him. Look in uh, Luke one seventeen. I got wrote down there, but I can't remember why. Luke one verse uh, seventeen. There it is. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So he comes in the spirit and the power of Elijah, but he's not Elijah. Elijah has to come. Verse 4 said, These are two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Uh, Let's go ahead and back to Revelations and read verse 5, 6, and 7. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, devour their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over water, turn them to blood, and spite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that sent out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. Now, we know one's Elijah. Uh... Let's look at what they do and see if we can find out who the other one is. Uh, first of all, they call down fire from heaven. Elijah did that. Look back in the book of uh, First Kings. First Kings, chapter one and verse, or maybe Second King. Yeah, Second Kings. I'm sorry, Second Kings, chapter one and verse twelve. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed them. Luke 9, 54, you remember what John said when they saw that guy out there preaching? And they said, he's not, one of, he's not with us. You want us to call fire down on him? You want us to do like Elijah did? Jesus said, "You don't know what spirit you're of. In this age, we don't. Uh, in this age, we don't uh, kill people because they're transgender. We don't stone beat people up because they're uh, homosexuals. Uh, we don't agree with them. We're not for them, but we pray for them. Uh, we know that God's able to save anybody. God's able to." change anybody unless they've went so far that God's turned them over to a retrobate mind. And there may be a lot of that going on in the world today. But you remember what the Antichrist does in Revelation 13, 13? We're not going to turn there because I'm running out of time. But the Antichrist, he calls fire down from heaven. Remember that? Okay. Once again, he's imitating what God's people do. Alright, number two, it says they shut up heaven. James 5 and 17, 
in the New Testament said Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three years. He prayed again, it did rain. And in 1 Kings 17 and 1 is when he actually prayed and the rain stopped. And in 1 Kings 18.42, he prayed again and the rain started. Alright, Exodus 7 and 20, there's a man that turned water into blood. His name's Moses. This would seal it up for me if I didn't even have the rest of it. Who appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? That'd do it for me right there. In Exodus 7 and 20, He turns water to blood. Alright, next they smite the earth with all kinds of plagues. Moses did that in Exodus 8 and 24. He smit a plague of flies. In Exodus 9 and 3, He sent a plague upon the cattle. In Exodus 8 and 16, He sent a plague of lice. Matthew 24, 7 said, In the last days, meaning tribulation, said there'll be famine and pestilence. This little COVID thing we've had is just a little Sunday school class compared to what's coming during the tribulation. They won't be able to make enough vaccines. You'll be getting a shot every day for every new one that comes out. I won't, you won't if you're saved because we're not going to be here. We won't have to worry about cancer or COVID or diabetes or anything else at that time. Uh, thank God. And then an unusual thing, and this don't usually happen this way, God's people always win. Amen. Uh, we always win, you know, and uh, it, it, all the stories always turn out good. But down here in verse 7 says that war was made against them. And it said that... Uh, the beast that sent it out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. There for a little while, and don't miss that, friend, God has to allow that to happen. It's all part of God's plan. Remember that message I preached back earlier in the year when winning looks like losing? Sometimes it looks like you're losing, but really you're winning. And that's what's going to happen here. They're going to be overcome by the Antichrist. He's going to make war against the saints. And the Bible said in chapter 13, He's over, overcome them. That's tribulation saints. And, but we know that after three days, God raised them up. That's going to cause some alarm. When CNN, Fox News, and and all these things, they got cameras that's showing these men laying in the street with their heads laying there and are cut off. And say, so how do we know that? Because of Revelation 24 says the means of death, tribulation, be beheaded, and the guillotine. They cut their head off, and they've been watching them, and all the news things been talking about them. And then all at once, Newsmax. They get it right. They say, what's going on? Their heads are coming back. What's going on? They're going up into heaven. Amen. It's going to be something. Amen. That's right. Amen. I wouldn't believe it if it, was, if it wasn't in the book. <laughs> like Brother Grady says, you don't have to make this stuff up. It's in, it's in the book. 
Uh, amen. So anyway, that gets us just to seven verses down. We'll finish the rest of it next time we...